Amen. Isn't that such a beautiful story? Can we just give Jesus a hand for, for what he's continuing to do in the lives of many? I, I really appreciate Scott so much for just sharing his story with us. And uh, it's just awesome to me to just see God do incredible things in the lives of so many. And, and you know, each one of us here today probably have a, a story, you know. Uh, our story isn't Scott's story. Our story is our, our story and, uh, but we all have a story and, and a testimony to share about how God is just doing incredible things and has done incredible things in our life. And, and I, just, I tell you, I just can't get over them. And so I'm just very thankful for people like Scott that can just share uh, just a, a glimpse of their life with us as a church and just uh, to just be able to share that and to be encouraged by such an incredible story like that. Hey, uh, let me just start off this morning by saying Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Can we... Give them a hand today, you know, so thankful for the fathers that are here today, and uh, I, I tell you, there's, uh, you know, it just seems like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of times Mother's Day is a bigger deal, I don't know why, maybe that's because guys don't make such a big deal of it, you know, but um, uh, a couple of them are saying, well, duh, you know, a couple of the ladies out there, you know, but, uh, but I tell you, it's just wonderful to, to, just, uh, to just think about our dads and celebrate this day, and I just want to say, I want to say, if your dad is here with you today, make sure you get that brick pick with him, you know, that you did on, on Easter Sunday and you did with your mother and all that kind of stuff. Get that brick pick, get a hug in today or something, but celebrate your dad today. And uh, I tell you, as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I, I just want to just recognize also that we may, we may all have wonderful dads here on this earth, but we have a father who is greater than anything in heaven. Amen. And so, uh, just uh, congratulations, Dad, and thank you for being dads today, and uh, I hope you get to, you have a blessed day. Let's pray, and we're going to dive into the Word today and, and uh, just discover what God has in store for us. So pray with me, if you will, this, this morning. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for, uh, God, just your grace in our life, and Lord, just celebrating stories like Scott's, God, and just seeing, Lord, in such remarkable ways how... God, you bring about change in our life. And Father, that's just so remarkable to us. God, many times the situations that we face in life seem so overwhelming and as though, as though we could never escape them. And yet, God, through your power and your strength, Lord, you help us to be delivered. You help us to be restored in, in, in those times in our life when restoration is so great of a need. Father, thank you for this day where we can gather together in spirit and truth and worship you. Lord, I love the songs that we have sung today, God. Just, God, just worshiping you through music, through song, through prayer, through giving. Lord, even worshiping you through video today. God, now we prepare our hearts to turn to your word, and Father, I pray that we would be able to set aside every distraction, that God, the things that you would desire to teach us today would be something that we are receptive to, and God, that we would be attentive to, that Father, we may be able to respond in such a great act of worship to your word being read and being talked about being preached. God, we love you so much and we praise you for your presence in our life. We thank you, Father, for 
Just every great thing, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I want to bring you up to speed. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series called Greater Than, and this series is really designed to help us understand the sufficiency of Christ in our life. Oftentimes, when we face the, the struggles that we face, we, we turn to other means for, for help. We, we have so many different books and blogs and stuff out there in the world, advice from friends and whatnot, that that we often turn to in, the, in our greatest times of need, and we often forget that Jesus is greater than whatever it is that we may be going through, and that ultimately He is the one whom we should respond to, whom we should turn to for, for help. And so the, the great need of this series is to help us to understand the sufficiency of Christ in our life. The first week we started off by looking at the reality, the truth that Jesus is greater than all of our issues. And uh, I don't know about you, but, but I have come to that conclusion quite a while ago and in my life, just realizing that he was just greater than all of that. And I don't always give it to him, but I know that he is greater and I need to give it to him. And then last week, we began to dig specifically into some of those issues, whereas the first sermon was one that was sort of broad and general each week after that, what we want to do is dive into a different issue that many of us face on a daily basis. And so last week, we looked at one issue, and that is the issue of homelessness. I'm excuse homelessness, hopelessness, hopelessness. I heard some little electronic device, I think it was Angry Birds, and it distracted me for a moment. But the reality is we looked at hopelessness. And many of us from time to time feel hopeless in our life. Today, I want to talk about a different issue that many of us may struggle with. I think all of us from time to time will struggle or we run the risk of struggling with this issue. And that's the issue of just really living our life without forgiving others. So today, what we're going to be talking about is the the great need for forgiveness in our life, for forgiveness of others in our life. Many of us struggle with this. There's two reasons really why I think that this message is relevant for every one of us in this room today, and I want to sort of share these with you real quickly. You know, the first thing is, is that, and this is more of a positive reason for us to be people of forgiveness where we forgive others is because Quite honestly, the way we relate to others in this world, when we are relating in a very positive way, when we are living out our life as, as people who forgive others when we have been wronged or when we feel as though we have been hurt in some way, a great reason for us to live out lives of forgiveness is because how we relate to others reflects brightly our love for Jesus and all the things that matter to Him, our pursuit of Him. When we are able to forgive others, then that's when people begin to see Christ in us. But another reason why this message may be important to us this morning is because also when we, 
when we live our life and we find ourselves struggling to forgive others who have wronged us or hurt us, then we find that, that as we relate to one another, it also establishes how we, in such a, an emotional way, walk through this life and struggle with the situations that we face. In other words, as we, as we, when we begin to struggle with, with forgiveness toward others, we, we live this life, and, and what happens in our hearts so often is that bitterness takes over, and anger takes over, and hurt takes over, and all of these things, these emotional feelings begin to take over, and when they take over, we find ourselves walking around with those things eating away at us like a cancer. And that's not the way God would have us to live our life. Oftentimes, the one who we harbor bitterness toward, the ones whom we harbor anger toward or, or resent because they have hurt us in some way, we do so, we do so not realizing that oftentimes they could care less. And we're the ones who hurt. And so one of the greatest reasons for us to, to come to a place where we, we intentionally set a course for forgiving those who have wronged us is because it brings such peace in our own life. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about this in such a, heart, in such a, in such a real way, in such a, 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 a way that, that we often need to hear because we so desperately need restoration in our life. The message is titled, Forgiveness is greater than my bitterness and my anger. And can I just tell you here this morning, I've been at a place in my life where I have been bitter and I have been angry at people and I have walked with that and I have carried that with me and it's, it's such a weight on my shoulders when I do so. And what I came to realize as I encountered Jesus was that, was that forgiveness for me was restoration. Forgiveness for me was, was healing in my life, and I so desperately needed that in my life. And so, so coming to a place where I was just willing to forgive, which is not something that is easy for any of us to do, often brought for me the peace that I needed in my life. It brought to me the restoration that I needed in my life. So forgiveness is greater than my bitterness and my hatred. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be starting at this morning. Maybe you're using an electronic device. Go ahead and, and turn to that, if you will, because I, I really would like for you to read along with me as we, as we read this amazing letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the local church that was there in Ephesus. This passage that we're looking at, Chapter 4, starting with verse 29, is a passage that teaches us a lot about this, this issue, this subject. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing chapter 4 of this letter, we see that he has a desire to teach the people of God, the body of Christ that is, the great need to be unified. And so he speaks a lot about the the unity of the body. He's talking about the reality that, that the church needs to live in such a way that it is unified in every way. 
And so here we see Paul, and he's writing this letter, and he's writing to them, and he's encouraging them to, to be unified, to remain unified, to do whatever it takes to, to come together and to live out our lives as, as Christ would have us to live out our lives. And then we get to this, this verse 29 where, where Paul is really setting up this issue of forgiving one another. And so we begin our text here, verse 29. We're going to read through chapter 5 of verse two, uh, uh, verse 2 of chapter 5. And, and this is our text today. So read with me, if you will, starting with verse 29. He says here, he says, Let no corrupt talking, talk, excuse me, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may... Give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, he says in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Almost in the center of this text, we see some very powerful words in the word of God. Almost in the, the very center, the core of this passage in which we are looking at, we see Paul make a statement that is very profound and something that is very challenging for us. You see, oftentimes the easier way, the easier way to go about life is just to hang on to the bitterness. You know, so-and-so hurt me. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to live with, I, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. And so often that. That seems to be the sort of easier course for us to set. But, but here in this text, right in the, the center of it, really where Paul is drilling down and aiming at here, all of what he has said in chapter 4 as he continues to read and specifically as he gets to this particular passage that we're going to be looking at, all points to this one truth that he wants to point out to the church in Ephesus and no doubt to us as well this morning. And this is what he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He has said all of these things in chapter 4. I wish we had time to just read through it, talking about unity within the body. And he gets down here and then he begins to say a few words and then he moves into this, this statement that he is wanting to make, this, this idea that he wants us to understand, this truth that God has given us. That we should be forgiving toward one another in the same way that Christ has forgiven us. And what this says to us this morning, what this promotes to us, what this reveals to us is this great need to understand that forgiveness is greater than any bitterness or anger or hatred or any other emotions that we may harbor towards someone else in our life. That forgiveness is greater than all of those things. And then what he goes on to say is, and, he, and this is where it really just sort of 
really where it just sort of shocks me as I think about this every time I'm in need of, of hearing this kind of passage is that he says, he says, not only should I forgive those who have maybe wronged me or I'm angry toward, but he says, not only should I forgive one another, but I should forgive them. And then he points to the way that Christ has forgiven us. And that's where it becomes really hard to swallow, doesn't it? Because, oh boy, do, are we thankful for the forgiveness of Christ in our life. Amen? How many of you are thankful for what Christ has done in your life? Amen? Anybody in the room thankful for the forgiveness of Christ in our life? The reality that we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and that he went to the cross to atone for our sins and that, that by the, the atoning of our sins, we have forgiveness and we have been made righteous through Christ Jesus. In other words, our relationship with God the Father has been made right because of the work of Christ in our life. We are thankful for his forgiveness. And what the Word of God says is he says this. It says you need to forgive others. Otherwise, that bitterness will tear you apart. There's several things that I want to I want to drill down into here this morning that I think are very important for us to understand because uh, just like in the first service, uh, you know, I had, I had a young lady who came up to me and I said, I want to, I need to forgive some people in my life. And, I, and, I, and, and, and she was seeking help after the service on how she could better understand how to go about doing that. This morning, I want to, I want to offer a few takeaways from this text because I think one of the things that should be on our hearts this morning is, okay, so if we harbor bitterness, if we, if we struggle with anger toward others, if we find ourselves being hurt and, 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 and sort of anguished by things that people have done in our life, then, then where do we go? How do we move into that place or that time in our life where we can find forgiveness that we so desperately need, that we can live a life of peace instead of struggle? And one of the things I think that Paul is pointing out to the Ephesians as he dives into this, one of the first truths that we need to understand is this, and this is, this is the one that I think we probably struggle with the most as it, can, as, it result, as it relates to forgiving others, and it's this, is that we must first own up to our own sin. Now, you know, when we think about people who have wronged us, we don't typically go to ourselves, do we? We don't, we, well, wait a minute, wait a minute now, he hurt me. But one of the things I think that Paul is sort of pointing out to here is the reality that we're all fallen and shall fall short of the glory of God, that we're all sinners and that the wages of those sins are death. And only because of Christ Jesus are we even forgiven for the things that we have wronged God with. And, and, and so here we, we begin to see this. And, 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 but when we think about how people have hurt us, when we think about how people have, have, have pained us, we don't typically look at our own sin, and yet this is one of the places that Paul goes to right before he says, forgive others just as you have been forgiven through Christ Jesus. Look at this with me, if you will. He says, verse 29, he says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as it is good for the building up as it fits the occasion that it might give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So Paul says here, just before he's getting ready to tell them to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you, he says, don't let corrupt talking 
come out of your mouth. If you're going to have anything to say about anybody, let it be good talk. Let it be talk that builds the body. Let it be talk that in, encourages someone. Let it be talk that edifies an individual, not one that breaks them down. And so there's this idea that Paul is pointing to that before we move to a place of forgiving other people, we must first examine our own lives. And that's where the rub comes in. Because oftentimes our thought is that we're the victim here. We're not the one who has caused this pain. We're not the ones that have, have come to this place. They should be asking me for forgiveness. They're the ones who wronged me. And so we begin to sort of live out our life as though we were playing this, this victim card rather than examining how God might have us to respond in a situation where we have been wronged. And so Paul says, listen, as you move toward this, as you move toward unity in the body, remember, don't allow corrupt talk to come out of your mouth. Don't criticize. Don't be critical. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't be angrily say anything, but only such as good for building up of what? Of the body as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then he says this. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, this isn't God's way. We must recognize that and own up to our own sin. You know, I, I'm just guessing here, but usually when we get angry or we rage against others, we, we typically feel like they started it and therefore they deserve it. And so it's almost like before we will forgive anyone, we, we sort of wait on something that maybe we're owed. The reality that we need to understand as we dive into this passage is this, is that our forgiveness of others must not start with any assumption that we are owed anything. Let me say that again. Our forgiveness of others must not start with any assumption that we are owed anything. Instead, we need to recognize that forgiveness really becomes an obligation of all believers and that our desire in forgiving others should flow from a desire to please God and to ultimately bring glory to Him. No other reason. We've been forgiven when we didn't deserve it, so why wouldn't we forgive those who don't deserve it? This is the point I believe that Paul is sort of building toward as we look at this. Jesus, he once said this in Matthew 7, verse 4. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Here's, here's Jesus basically saying, listen, before you can become an expert on anybody else's sin, you must deal with your own sin, right? You must own up to the reality that you yourself are sinners. And this is the word of Jesus. He's challenging us no doubt, to examine ourselves and to pursue God, pursue righteousness, and in this case, in this passage, to pursue forgiveness toward others. It's a powerful passage that we're, that we're reading here. It's one that challenges us because we, we, and, and hopefully encourages us because we begin to realize that forgiveness is certainly better than our anger and our bitterness and our despair and our hurt Forgiveness is certainly better. You see, when we begin to forgive those who have hurt us, it brings healing in our own heart. It may not change them a bit, 
They may not even care if you forgive them. But it brings healing in our own hearts. And that's one of the things that I feel like we need to understand as we look into this passage and we understand that forgiveness is greater than all of our bitterness and all of our anger. So we own up to our own sin. Here's the second thing I I feel like we can take away from this passage. And, And it's this. We must be intentional as instruments of forgiveness. We must be intentional about being instruments of forgiveness. In other words, we should be the ones who are catalysts for restoration. We should be the ones who are, who are the conduit in which God's mercy and his grace and his, his forgiveness would flow out to other people as we turn to him for strength so that we may better be able to forgive others, we are the ones that should allow God to use us as instruments in his hands to bring about restoration of the body. There's nothing in Scripture that points to this reality that that we should should wait till the person who has wronged us comes to us and then then try to work things out. In fact, I want to share a couple of passages here with you that I think are really, really amazing as we try to wrap our minds around this. Here's what, here's, what, here's what the text says here this morning. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. He even goes on to say malice. But he says, he says let all of this be put away from you. All of this that you're harboring, that is eating you alive, all of this bitterness, all of this this anger toward other people who have hurt you. He says, put it away from you. In other words, he says, you must be intentional in getting this off of you, getting this away from you, put it away from you, flee from this sort of thing. And then he says here in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The reality is no one is capable of forgiving someone else for you. You must do that. You must choose to do that. And so if we're here today and we're harboring those those bitter feelings towards someone else, we must come to a place in our life to where we ask God for the strength to forgive whether they desire it or not. Let me just say, I, I know how hard this is. I've I've been in a place where I harbored resentment toward people. I've been to a place where bitterness consumed me, and it tears us down. It literally destroys us from the inside out. We have to let it go. We have to give it over to God. We have to call on Him to strengthen us, to help us to come to a place where our hearts can find healing in the midst of all of this. How many of you this morning would confess to road rage? Any, 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 any road rage people in here this morning? Man, yeah. Half of us confess, the other half are just liars. Right? None of us like being cut off. <laughs> I mean, isn't there something that just wells up inside when, uh, when those people just that don't know how to drive or don't care to know how to drive. They just, boy, don't they get under your skin? I shared a story a few years ago about 
a time when my daughters and I, it was Christmas Eve, and I was in seminary of all places. And uh, it was Christmas Eve, and, and as I was doing back those, in those days, it was a habit of mine to, to wait for Christmas Eve before I bought my wife a present. I gathered up my girls, and I struck out to the mall there in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, if you know anything about it, it's a big mall with limited parking. And I circled that mall for hours looking for a place to park. I mean, I was, it was getting desperate. You know, time is, is ticking and, you know, I'm tired and I've been studying Greek all week and, you know, systematic theology and all those things that just overwhelm you anyway. And, and now it's Christmas and who wants to celebrate Christmas? You see where this is going, right? I mean, who cares about presents and stuff like that? And I got my little girls with me and I'm trying to hold it together and suddenly Praise God, I see those miracle things that you want to see when you're searching for a prayer. You see those reverse lights on a car, right? And so I said, oh, praise the Lord. I start worshiping God right there in my vehicle. Thank you, God. I'm going to get this parking place. So I wait. I have been motioned for, come on, I got you. I, I'm watching for you. And so as this person pulls out, the car that's in front of him puts it in reverse and goes all the way back to the place where the car that had just come out of the spot cannot move so that he could go into the place and then the car just kind of waved at me and went on. I was so mad. I'm not going to be so transparent as I'll tell you what I said that day. But I'll just say this. Those people were scared to death to get out of their car. And the word from my two little girls was, Daddy, you can't act like that. We're Christians. <laughs> oh, <laughs> act like what, dear? <laughs> you know, you don't know what to say in those moments, you know? I mean, that's the kind of thing that just ruins a man's life, right? And so, I mean, you know, the reality is we've all been there. We've all been to a place where just anger and bitterness and fury just sort of comes to the top and and if we're not careful, we respond in such a way that is so dishonoring to God. And in my case, to even my children. We must be intentional instruments. We must be that conduit from which grace would flow. As we think about our lives as it relates to others in this world, not just others in the church, not just our immediate family and friends and neighbors, but even the person that cuts out in front of you in the middle of a busy intersection or takes your parking spot. You see, as, as Christians, we must realize it is our obligation to forgive. In fact, the Bible talks about this in a in a huge way. I wish I could just give you all of the passages of Scripture that the Bible points to, but the reality is the Bible talks about this obligation that I have as a follower of Christ to forgive and not be bitter and not be angry and not allow fury to take over my life, especially in front of my children. We see this all throughout Scripture, but I want to give you a few this morning. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. We see these words, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive 
others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In Colossians 3.13, we see this, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You know what the two common threads of these two passages are and so many others? When we read passages like this that point to the need, the obligation that we have to forgive others, you know what, you know what these two passages point to? They point to two things. They point to the obligation that we have to forgive others, and they also point to the reality that Christ has forgiven us. So it talks about the forgiveness of Christ in our life, and it also talks about our obligation to forgive others. But nowhere in this passage does it say anything about worrying about the other guy. It doesn't point to, if they come to you and they apologize for what they did, then forgive them. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even go there. I, I read verses like that, and I go, yeah, but God, what, what about their apology that, that I am owed? What about their, their need to come and apologize? They may never apologize for that. And yet, Scripture points to this reality that as believers, we are obligated to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. And I know that's a hard pill to, to swallow, but it's one that we must do. Philip Brooks, a pastor of the 1800s, he said this, Bear with the faults of others as you would have them bear with yours. Be patient and understanding. Life is too short to be vengeful or malicious. Be patient and understanding. That's what the passage is teaching us. To forgive one another. To bear with one another. To bear, even, even to endure the sufferings that we may receive from others. Forgiveness is greater than bitterness or anger or fury, that which, like a cancer, eats us alive. It's just better to forgive. Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes, and I love the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes are these, these series of instructions that we receive from Jesus. You know, that and the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew 5 and 6, we see where Jesus, he offers these instructions to us. But in the Beatitudes, he basically says, you know what, if you do this, if you try this on for size, you'll be blessed by this. And I love that. That's what the Beatitudes are. That's why we see blessed is the, the man who does this or that. But in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who intentionally become instruments of forgiveness. Being a peacemaker takes a great deal of intentionality. It's an attitude that we, that we put on despite how we feel about a situation. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Finally, I want to just mention this, and I'll wrap it up with this. We need to understand the need to be deliberate imitators of Christ. We need to understand the need to be deliberate. We must be deliberate in imitating Jesus. Paul says here in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Therefore, this is how he wraps this up. He says, Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you, 
And then he says this. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. Ultimately, what we want to be as disciples of Christ Jesus, as children of God, are people who who imitate Christ. In other words, when people look into our life, they don't see a person who's lost it in a parking lot and is a raging lunatic. What they see is Jesus in me. And I'll tell you, just the, the words that come from two middle schoolers, Daddy, you can't do that. You're a Christian. They're basically saying to me, Daddy, you don't look anything like Jesus. You look like Hulk Hogan. Your clothes are ripping. You're so mad. I don't want to look like Hulk to my children. I want to look like Jesus. And what Paul says here is he says this, be imitators of God. Be imitators of Christ Jesus. Jesus had said, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. But there are more passages than that. Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, we read this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I love that. Paul is saying this. He says, basically, this is how you live your life. This is Paul saying this, not me. This is Paul. Paul says, listen, to the people he's writing to, the Corinthians, he says, listen, imitate me because what I'm striving to do is imitate Jesus. In other words, he says, I'm living my life in such a way that when the world looks at me, they see Jesus. And if so, if you need someone to look at, if you need someone to model your life from, then look at me because I'm striving to live like Jesus. And if you do that, you'll look like Jesus. Paul says, let us be imitators of God. Let us be imitators of God. Reconciliation should always be our goal. And a willingness to forgive others must be maintained. Reconciliation, restoration is what we should strive for. You know, when you look at the gospel, when you look at the scripture, what you begin to realize is that every bit of it points to restoration. It points to this reality that through Christ Jesus, we are restored in a right relationship with God. So everything we do as believers and followers of Christ Jesus should be done as a means for restoration as our lives relates to others. So this is the point that Paul's pointing to. You know, each week we're offering a promise from God's Word. Here's the promise number three that really uh, sort of wraps this up, and it's this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, Matthew 6, 14. And what an amazing passage of Scripture to have memorized when that day comes when somebody hurts us. That passage to have memorized when somebody does us wrong. When what's inside 
begins to well up in a spirit of anger instead is replaced by the Spirit of God. And we remember the reality that the Scriptures teach us to resemble Jesus even in those moments of our life. And so we take on the image of Christ. In just a moment, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together and you know, I love the Lord's Supper because it's, it's such a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful image of, of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. When we partake of that broken bread, we're, we're, we're basically celebrating or at least honoring the broken body of Jesus as he hung on a cross, when we drink of the cup, we're celebrating the blood that was spilled, not because of death, but because of life that he gives to us through the atonement of our sins. And so when we partake in the Lord's Supper, it's a special time for the life of the church. But the Bible also challenges us that we are to examine ourselves before we ever do that. And this morning, I just want to read one last passage a couple of verses here from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 it says this if anyone who eats of this bread and drinks of this cup of the Lord and unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and of the blood of the Lord that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup in just a moment our team is going to come up here our worship team is going to come up here and they're going to lead us in a a time of, of just worship and meditation and prayer and reflection. And I want to challenge us to just do that. Let us use this time. Just remain seated. Our, our men are going to come down during the prayer and they're going to move into position to pass out the elements. They'll be passing out the elements while Spence and the worship team just shares a, that last song with us. But as, as, as all of that's taking place, let us... Let us just spend time with the Lord in preparing ourselves by examining ourselves. And this morning, if we are harboring any ill will, if we are harboring any bitterness, if we are harboring any bad feelings toward anyone, let us turn to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and ask Him to give us the strength to overcome what feels so natural to us. That is to, to hang on and harbor those bitter feelings. And instead, let us give those over to the Lord. Let us forgive those who have wronged us. Let us forgive those who have hurt us. Let us forgive those who we feel like may have even abandoned us. Let us put on the image of Christ in these moments as we prepare to worship Jesus and celebrate Him through the Lord's Supper. Let us spend time in meditation and prayer as we receive the elements so that when Gabe comes up in just a moment and administers these elements, that we would be at a place, our hearts would be ready to celebrate together Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us. And then we will respond in worship through prayer. Father, we thank You for this day. Father, we thank you for this time together where we come and, and just worship you, God, in spirit and truth. And 
Lord, reflecting on what the Word of God has taught us today, the reality that, God, before we could ever begin to judge the sins of others, Father, we must first own up to our own sin. God, that's not easy to do when we feel like the victim. But God, I pray that you would give us strength, that you would give us courage, that you would grant us power to overcome that which is such a difficult thing in our life when we experience it. God, that our hearts would move from unforgiveness to forgiveness. And God, ultimately our hearts would be restored and our fellowship with you would be restored. God, our worship with you would be amazing. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for this time together where we can come and we can celebrate your amazing grace. Father, we need you in our life. Lord, we are thankful for you in our life. And we celebrate you together today. In Jesus' name, amen.